Welcome to The Voice Now Heard. My name is Jana Young, and this podcast is my story of how a knock on a door upended my life and was the beginning to uncovering layers of secrets and lies. As I process the hurt and betrayal, I want to share what can be learned from looking at life through a different lens. I'm speaking up to reclaim my power and encourage others in difficult situations. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome. I wanted to start out by saying thank you to everyone who listened to my first episode and reached out. I got a lot of texts and phone calls and messages and just a lot of support that's been really encouraging. This was really scary to step out and start doing something like this. So I just really appreciate all the support I've gotten and it reaffirms for me the reason I'm doing this and just seeing how much that pain and shame can keep us silenced. And I want to let people know that they're not alone and that they can find hope in situations that seem just utterly hopeless. So thank you, everyone. So this is episode two. I thought of many different names for this episode. The other address was one of them. Another one was the epochal event. That is an event that has far reaching implications in one's life. It's a synonym for momentous. It's a momentous event that's happening with the capacity to alter the course of one's life. Other synonyms are thunderbolt, a kick in the guts, eye opener, curveball, and epiphany. And when I think about this situation in my head, I think about it as an apocal event, but I decided to go with a knock on the door as the title because that is really what set everything into motion. First of all, I want to give a lot of a little context for those of you who don't know me. There are two words that may have been used to describe me at different times in my life. One is indecisive. My mom actually got me a refrigerator magnet that said, I used to be indecisive and now I'm not so sure. The other word is non-confrontational and that will make more sense as I go along in the episode because there are many pieces of this where I was very decisive and confrontational well confrontational for me others may not consider it confrontational but for me it was kind of a big deal in December later December my husband had been traveling for work and on the way back I thought there had been a problem with the pilot and the plane had to land and there were no more flights. Then the next day, while they were trying to get flights, he got sick and had the flu and couldn't fly. I thought he had been sick all week. I thought his boss was out there and was sick. I was worried about him. I was like, how is he getting fluids? How is he getting medicine? Is he passed out in this hotel room? I was just really concerned because I thought he was super sick and had been gone all week and Friday of that week December 17th I was cleaning in our closet and I found a piece of mail and it had my husband's name and a different address on it in the return address there was a name of of where it came from obviously it was a bill for services I knew he had been receiving since at least March 
So those things together say to me it wasn't a piece of junk mail and this address had been used for quite a while. I did what any normal person would do and Googled. Go to Google. So I Googled the address and I found out it was in the neighborhood across the street from where we lived where they had built a new development within the last couple of years. At that time, I'm having physical reactions. My mind is racing. My stomach was hurting. I thought it was going to throw up. My hands were shaking. I was just a mess. So I continue to Google and I cannot figure out who lived there. But I started thinking that he had mentioned that his coworker, the blankety of blank blank lived over there. And I say the blankety blank blank, just so I'm protecting everyone's privacy. I knew kind of the part of the neighborhood where this person lived and things started going through my head and a couple of examples. So one time he had said the blankety of blank blank said there's a strange man when she's out on her morning walk. So maybe don't walk over there, which I still did anyway, because I felt like our area was pretty safe. But now I know the reason he didn't want me to walk over there. And I walked in that neighborhood a lot in the fall of 2019 and the fall of 2020. I did a program called 75 hard and it has a certain number of tasks you do each day for 75 days. And one of those is you have to do a workout outside every day. And there are only so many neighborhoods around us. So I walked over in that neighborhood a lot. And as I looked back, I found this, picture I had taken a picture of a sunset on one of my walks and when I look at it her house is right on the left of where I took the picture which I had no idea at the time that's where she lived and uh but just looking back that's kind of bizarre to me the other example is that we had talked about buying a condo and I thought those were really nice over there and he said that the blankety of blank blank had been offered a lot of money to sell her house and she'd been living there because it was such a nice neighborhood and there were a lot of people that lived there. I'm starting to put all these pieces together, thinking through, and I started looking through some of his other belongings, which I never do. And I found a card with the name. I opened it up and... It was a birthday card, much like the cards he got me, but it's expressing his love for her. It said, like, you and I were meant to be, how she is his person, and he's madly in love, and I'll make your dreams come true because I love you so much, and I'm just going to stop there because it was just very hard to read. I also found a boarding pass for Seattle from the summer and I looked at the dates and I thought he had been on a work trip during that time. I'm trying to process if all these things are true, what does this mean for my life and my marriage? Part of me could just not go there. Like something in my mind, just, I don't know. I think it was protecting me or I was trying not to go down that road. So I just tried to work and go about my day I thought he was coming home the following Monday, so I had planned to wait until he came home to talk to him face to face. That all happened on Friday. Saturday comes and 
I saw a tweet of his boss at a work event. And I texted him like, hmm, I thought he was where you are sick. And what is this picture of him back here where we lived? I get a call and he's like, I can't believe he left here without me knowing blah, 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 blah. And just said some crazy story. The conversation goes on. And after that, I brought up on the phone. I just said, I have something that I just can't wait to talk to you about. Like, it's really important. And he immediately started crying even before I said what it was, which was kind of a manipulation technique. I'm realizing looking back, I say, I found this piece of mail with your name and this address. He started saying things that just really didn't make sense. He didn't know the address. And I think I said, I thought you mentioned the blankety of blank blank lived over there. And he was like, well, I know there are people I work with that live over there in that neighborhood, but I've never been over there. I've never been to that address. I then went on to ask about the boarding pass, which he denied, which I knew was an outright lie. I had never thought he had lied to me before this, but I saw his name on it. And from Seattle to where we lived, like it wasn't anyone else's boarding pass. And I just kind of let it go. I was like, I'll just wait until I see him and talk more about that face to face. And thinking back, I didn't bring up the card either. I think I was just trying to figure out the piece of mail and I wasn't sure who lived there, what their name was. So let me clarify, because there's so many women in this story. I consider myself number one because I was the wife. The hoe is number two and her is number three. And that's just because that's the order of when I found out about her. She has actually known him the longest because they've been friends since college. So just a little sidebar to try to put some pieces together there. Back to our conversation. We talked for over an hour. At the end of the conversation, I said, I almost drove by the address because it's so close. And he was like, that's how people get shot in the city these days. You don't want to be doing things like that, which I thought was a little strange. I get off the phone. I'm trying to process the conversation. I'm feeling really restless, have this restless energy, don't know what to do with it. So I decide I'm going to go to the gym and swim, which would be a healthy outlet. And something just wasn't sitting right with me. So I was like, I think I'm just going to drive by. If it's nothing, it's nothing. I can just go on and feel a little more peace about the situation, but something just isn't sitting right with me. I go through the neighborhood, I drive by, and I see his car parked outside the address. I drive around the cul-de-sac, and I called my sister. She was in the loop about the piece of mail and kind of everything that had led up to that. She is very good in a crisis emergency situation and laid out my options and said, you can either drive back by and stop or go home. And I was like, well, what if it is in his car? And she was like, well, I think if it's the same color and same make and model, it's probably his car. And I was just couldn't like put that together in my head. And I, I went home and I got 
some paperwork with the plate number and drove back over. Just I had to prove to myself that that was his car for some reason. I parked my car in front of the house. I walked up the driveway and I knocked on the door, which is so unlike me to confront something head on. I cannot tell you, and I still don't know to this day, something in me just, I don't know if snapped was the word, but I just knew it was something I had to do. This lady answered and steps out, and I was like, I think I got a piece of your mail by accident. It has your address on it. And she was like, well, I can take it. And I'm like, well, I don't have it with me, but it has my husband's name on it. And that's his car in front of your house. And I'm just really confused. She starts saying, well, who are you? And I said, I'm his wife. How long have you been married? And I said, about seven and a half years. Does he live with you? I said, as far as I know, last time I checked, don't you wonder where he is all the time? Well, I know he has a very demanding job and travels for work and he's gone a lot. And I was like, is he here? Can I talk to him? And she was like, well, I have people coming over and it's not a good time. I'll have him come over and talk to you. And she kind of glanced across the road to where we lived. So she just went back inside and got ready for her little holiday party. Later on, as I got more information and thought about it, I was like, she knew he was married and had thought the day may come when someone may knock on my door. Like, thinking back to her questions, they just seemed prepared somehow. Like, she wasn't super surprised or shocked. She was kind of rude, kind of bitchy. I wanted to be like, oh, my bad. I see you have a holiday party and my life is just unraveling in front of my eyes. So I'll just let you go for your holiday party. Sorry I bothered you. I was just kind of appalled at how she just kind of dismissed me and I had to leave. And I've replayed that conversation so many times in my head. Like, why didn't I demand he come out and talk? What if I would have said this? Why didn't I say that? And I've come to the point where I have just accepted I did the best that I could in this situation and give myself grace for that and realizing I was just in total shock. So I get in the car and I call my sister. Our family does not really show strong emotions. I will just preface with that. I call my sister. I don't even remember what I said. Something like he's here. I talked to the woman and something came over me and just hit me and I just started pounding on the steering wheel and screaming and crying and my sister's like um I'm on my way I'm coming to your house I'll be there in a little bit somehow I drove home luckily it wasn't far I didn't ram into his car I didn't collapse in the driveway I didn't run back up to the house and start yelling and causing a scene I've replayed those as possible options, but looking back, I think that was the best scenario to just be calm and go home and leave. I don't think anything good could have come out of any of those other situations. I am grateful that I had enough sense about me just to go home. So I get home and I'm just pacing around my house like, what the heck is going on? 
something has not felt right for a long time in my gut, but I never would imagine it was this. I had this like bizarre, it's going to sound really bizarre, but I had a sense of relief. Like, oh, at least I know, like, this is what it is. This is what's been off. So I was kind of wrestling back and forth with, I feel so relieved. And at the same time, I'm just heartbroken and devastated and my world has just crashed in front of my face and turned upside down. And at this point, I had zero information of the situation. All I knew is he'd been living in two places in a neighborhood across the street and at our house. I remember I grabbed one of his suitcases and I was like, he needs to get over here and get his shit and get out of here. I don't want to see him anymore. I tried to call him. I tried texting him and he didn't answer my call, but he started responding to texts. So my mind is going really quickly. Like, what do I want to get my questions answered? What do I want to ask before he stops texting me? He told me he'd been having an affair and it had been going on a few years. He said, just get rid of my stuff and you never have to see me again. I texted back. You better strap on some balls and get over here because you owe me a conversation. Which I'm inserting the tone, obviously, because it was text. But those are words and a tone I have never used with him before. And he was like, I'm on my way over. In the meantime, uh, my sister and then my friend and her husband came over and were with me. I had my friend's husband remove the guns. He had a couple guns plus an AR-15 and something inside of me. I don't know if it was the social worker, safety first. I really don't know. But I was like, I don't know what kind of state of mind he's going to be in when he comes here. Honestly, I didn't know what state of mind I was going to be in when I saw his face. I was like, these just need to be out of the house for, for everyone's safety. They packed up the guns, they left, they went to grab some dinner, and he came by. And I'm just going to share a couple of things about this beast because it's um, pretty painful, and to be honest, it's just a little foggy. I was in shock. I couldn't figure out what to even say. He went into manipulation mode, making it all about him and trying to get sympathy from me. Didn't apologize. He told me he'd been back from his trip since early in the week. He didn't stay long. He came in and stood and chatted. And then we went upstairs while he packed some things. And he was just kind of rambling and not making sense. And I wasn't really getting anything answered. He didn't say, this has been a big mistake. I'm committed to working on our marriage. It was just kind of a lot of nonsense. So I said, are we both in agreement we are getting a divorce since you've been having an affair for three years? And he said, yeah, I think that's probably the best best case scenario. And he gave me his garage door opener and he left and he didn't look back. And as messed up as this sounds, I felt rejected all over again that he was able to walk out that easily and didn't reach out. I didn't hear from him again. But on the flip side of that, I was grateful that I didn't have to see him every day and interact with him and see his face and I could just focus on myself and trying to keep myself together. In 
normal stressful situations, I am an emotional eater and I sleep a lot. And the amount of stress that this caused, I lost my appetite. I couldn't sleep. The insomnia was crazy. I was just trying to make sense of things, but I didn't have much information to put pieces together. I am not a big journaler, but that was an outlet for me to get things out of my head and onto paper. I was looking back that on December 31st, I had journaled that it had been two weeks and I'd made it through the holidays. The holidays were very rough. My Christmas gift to him this year was me filing for divorce. So, uh, Merry fucking Christmas. Here's some divorce papers. I had traditions that we had done on Christmas Eve. We would go spend it with his family. My amazing friend invited me to Christmas Eve with her family and just told me we're going to make this a new tradition. And I was crying most of the time. We went to Christmas Eve service. I cried through that. I was a hot mess, but I am grateful for my family. Um, I will talk a little more in future episodes about the divorce process. Goodness gracious, that was just probably one of the most stressful, anxiety-provoking, horrible things I've ever been through. And I just hope people do not have to go through it if they don't have to. I'll talk about it in future episodes. I never thought it was something I would be going through. The things I found out during the process continued to just shatter me into more pieces and I was just really lost but I am really grateful like I said for my amazing support system my family and close friends my friend Amy she came over every day she brought me snacks she tried to make sure I was eating but I had no appetite and she made sure I got out of the house and that I was okay and just sat with me through a lot um, I'm just very grateful. I don't think I could have made it through those days without my support system. Um, I know they were all in shock as well, trying to process and understand, but at the same time were supporting me. Um, I'm very grateful for my job. Um, I was going to take a little time off for the holidays and they were supportive of me taking more time off, which I'm extremely grateful for. You know, within that time frame of those couple weeks, too, I started looking for a new place to live. I felt a sense of urgency to leave as soon as possible because we had lived there since we'd been married and there were so many memories there. And he and the hoe were living across the street. And now that I knew that, I was just kind of paranoid being out and about because I was like, am I going to run into them? What is that going to be like? I was worried he may just stop by. I think I got to the point where I realized he doesn't care enough to stop by, so I felt okay about that. I was just in survival mode, trying to function on a daily basis, all while being in shock, feeling like this fog was around me. I was just brokenhearted. I was just devastated and just trying to make it through and survive. There were things I felt like I could control like packing I packed up all of his stuff and 
threw it in the garage and for some reason packing felt like something that I could control. I knew I was going to be moving. So organizing and getting things together helped me feel like when everything else was so out of control, at least I could pack up a box of stuff which sounds so silly as I'm saying it now but it was really just having something to do and not just sitting I think was a big part of it the next day the hoe texted me and she said this is the hoe well she didn't say the hoe she said her name uh the person whose house you showed up at yesterday do you have a few minutes to talk and I was like why yes I do and called her and we talked for a couple hours and that was where I started getting some information and putting pieces together of the puzzle a little more and that is actually the next episode the conversation with the hoe stay tuned for that episode three that is the end of episode two and like I said, at the end of every, every episode, I'm trying to do a couple quotes and lessons learned. So I have two quotes for this one. One is, imagine another year of not being considered, of not being heard, of not being seen. Imagine five more, 10 more, 20 more spirit-shattering, soul-crushing years. That goodbye was a blessing. And that is by Kaylin Dion. The other one is, one doesn't have to operate with great malice to do great harm. The absence of empathy and understanding are sufficient. And that is Charles M. Blow. I have three lessons learned from this episode. The first one is I am strong. I walked up to the door and knocked on the door, not knowing what was on the other side not knowing what was going to happen and I survived the aftermath of that decision. I confronted the fear of the unknown and I think the lesson that can be learned and other people can also know that I think we all have a strength inside of us that we don't know we have until we have no other choice but to access it is kind of the only way I can explain it. The second one is that I am decisive when I need to be. I decided to knock on the door. I decided I'm worth more and I deserve to be treated with respect. I decided very quickly that my marriage was over and I would be filing for divorce, which is something I thought I would never say, A, that I'd be getting a divorce, B, that it would be a quick decision, but I knew there was no working this out. Uh, this was a long-term affair, and I knew I could not be married to someone who was selfish, dishonest, and really had zero insight or care for the destruction that was being caused by the decisions that he made. That was a big takeaway for me and an area of growth is that I made these decisions that were very impactful in my life and were the right decisions at the time. The third one is listen to my gut. I listened to my gut instinct and I went to the address. And I think everyone knows this gut feeling, like something's telling you, you should probably pay attention to this. And my gut instinct is something I use in my professional life on a regular basis. I've worked in the crisis world quite a while and you just have to think quick on your feet and go with your gut a lot of times and that has 
served me well and I think kept me safe in a lot of situations. But I'm realizing that I was not listening to my gut in my personal life. I started realizing the power of the gut instinct. And I think for a while my gut was like, this is off. This seems like a red flag. You should pay attention. But I never imagined that this would be what the situation was actually happening or the reality of what was happening. This may sound strange, but I think somehow my mind protected me until I was ready. I'll talk about that a little more in future episodes. I'm not sure really how to explain it. I just think when I was ready, I was ready. And I've realized that my head and my heart try to talk me out of things because I have a really rational, logical side and a very compassionate and empathetic side. And in a situation, my gut may have been saying this sounds, something is not right with this. And then I would talk myself out of it and rationalize it and say, well, you know, this, this could make sense because of A, B, and C. And, oh, but I really care about this person and love them and trust them. And so that outweighs what my gut is saying. And I think a lot of us can relate to that, right? Like there's just so many different pieces that go into this and, one thing I am learning as I'm moving forward in life is to be aware when that's happening, that my gut is saying something, but then my thoughts are going a different way. My emotions are going a different way and trying to figure out why just trying to sit with it and then figure out a plan, which as I say, it sounds so much easier said than done. Like let's just wrap it up with a little bow and it'll be all pretty, but it's hard and it's an ongoing learning process and it's something that I am just going to have to work on for a very long time in all my different relationships. And I've realized though, the devastation that can be caused by not listening to my gut. I've learned this lesson the hard way, but I just want to say, I think that it's something that we can all learn from and try to pay more attention to that is the end of episode two I appreciate everyone listening I know there are so many demands for people's time and people's lives are so busy and I just really appreciate everyone taking the time to listen and stay tuned for episode three which will be the conversation with the hoe Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you enjoyed, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. All those things you do when you love a podcast. Also, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at The Voice Now Heard and Twitter at Jana Voice Now. That's at Jana, J-A-N-N-A, Voice Now. Take care.